0: Navigating the Datascape with Warner Chavez and special guests.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Datascape podcast. Today, I have with me one of the real gurus with a capital G in the database space, Mr. Simon Payne. Simon, how are you today?
0: Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me back, Warner.
1: Happy yeah, to be absolutely. Back. Can you give us a quick background? Of yourself just for the people that are not familiar with you
0: yeah sure i've been working in the database space for many many years actually many decades um i usually joke about uh, that how many years it's been and then interject how young i must have started uh because it makes me feel old when i tell how people how long i've been working in databases and mostly in oracle i worked in sql server as well a bit now i work in postgres a bit as well but i'd say i'm a very very Uh, Very much a rookie in the Postgres space. But in the Oracle space, I've been using it for many decades. I love to talk about Oracle. I'm Oracle Ace still, which means that I have community involvements. I work with uh, or communicate regularly with a number of the Oracle product managers, specifically in the security space. And even though I do all sorts of stuff Oracle-wise, like cloud and database and high availability or whatever i i kind of if i'm a bit of an oracle database jack of all trades but if i was to focus on one area as kind of a breakout which i i enjoy or have a stronger expertise in it would probably be the security side of it
1: awesome yeah absolutely and and this is the reason why i wanted to record this with you because i thought we needed really a deep dive on what database security looks like in 2022, right? And, and nowadays, I just recorded another one with Kevin Peterson. We talked a lot about cloud security in general. I wanted to talk more in specific about database security. And let's let's start with your take on the current status of database security. Are yeah. the vendors doing enough? Are the users I think the vendors doing, are enough? doing enough? Are they both failing? Are they both succeeding? <laughs> well, what do you think?
0: Okay, I, great question. And and you triggered me when you said in the state in 2022, because I think the state in 2022 is really the same as the state in 2021 and 2020 and everything prior to that, even though there's been a lot of recent.
1: I don't know if that's good or not.
0: Uh, no, it's not good is where <laughs> I'm going. Um, really what I am talking about is I think most people, have barely scratched the surface in securing their data state. Now, let me put a bit of a caveat around that. I don't work in government, don't work, uh, not looking at Department of Defense um, or any of those tight Mm -hmm. military protected kind of databases. I'm sure those guys are extremely well protected. So I guess what I'm talking about is really private enterprise, maybe even non-sensitive areas in the public sector right Mm -hmm. things like that um so that's my caveat or my disclaimer about my opinions but my opinions are mostly that that in 2022 um people have barely scratched the surfaces in most cases yeah and i I think there's a couple reasons for that probably the main one is that and, and you can argue if you have a differing opinion but i think the main one is it's not a rewarding exercise to secure things because really like your best case outcome is nothing Nothing happens happens, yeah right it's (laughs) like we spent all this money and we spent all this time and the end result for you know our end of year report is nothing happened
1: yeah yeah (laughs) no no security incident i mean uh, yeah i understand that it's not it's not a glamorous thing that you're gonna show you know an increase in revenue for example or something like that
0: right but if it goes the other way it's gonna be really really bad
1: it's definitely gonna hit your revenue if you screw up though
0: but you know what? I think it's it's most people play the game of let's just hope what I have is good enough and it doesn't happen to me. So it's kind of like um, I don't know you're fishing and all all the fishies are swimming by and, and one of those fish might bite the hook. And so so the other fish are all okay.
1: Let's 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 try to decompose the problem here and see. Is, is it the mm-hmm. vendor that is not doing enough? And when I say the vendor, no. it could be Microsoft, could be Oracle. Is it the end mm-hmm. user? And in the and the is of database systems obviously the end user i mean uh the dba let's say the person that is completely in charge of supposedly having their responsibility
0: okay i'm going to uh, be quite opinionated and i'm going to throw
1: yeah most yeah of we the love blame. opinions and
0: again coming from an oracle perspective i'm throwing almost all the blame on the customers so the customers okay. might be uh, the dba or, or whatever i'm saying not the vendors the customer side the- yeah the customer side, the vendors are providing a tremendous amount of capability. Mm-hmm. Okay, The products are there. We can talk about the details of this. Yeah, uh, sure. They're constantly enhancing. I was even on a, a vendor webcast, a great discussion um, this morning. And I give presentations on this all the time, including on Friday. I'm hoping to get back into in-person presentations mm-hmm. in, in yes, later Q2 so. uh, to talk about Oracle security and stuff. So the capabilities are there um what i think is that the customers have a couple problems number 1 is they tend to rely too heavily on perimeter security right they're, they're okay. tightening firewalls and they're maybe adding multi-factor authentication on how to get in from the outside and they're really putting the focus on the perimeter because maybe that's one that they have to do they can't avoid i don't know um so i think that's one problem maybe I'm going to say they're too afraid to touch, right? Like what if we secure something by revoking a privilege and it breaks something? So I think there's a bit of a fear factor. I guess a third thing might be that they really don't understand it. So if I go back to what I just mentioned about I was on a webcast this morning. I'm giving another presentation webcast Specifically on tactical security items in 48 hours. Okay. Um, why am I doing that? Because people don't know what they already have. It's mm-hmm. there's so many layers to the technology that they don't understand it, and they don't understand. That's
1: true, though, it. right? The products themselves are pretty complex, um, and there's I'm gonna a throw... lot of knobs that you can yes. push and, and turn, and it can be a little bit overwhelming for people <clears throat> too if they're not immersed in the space, like somebody like you might be.
0: Exactly. And that's what I try to help them with, right? And that's actually where I'm very, very successful at getting uh, attendance in presentations. Because as a presenter who's done many, many dozens of presentations over the last decade, I can tell you I've seen all ends of the spectrum. I've had it when there's only like three people in the room and one of them is the room moderator, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of at my presentation. And that's embarrassing. But I've also had it where, you know, they've had to shut the room because it was over the fire marshal's limit of attendance, right? And the ones that got all of the people to attend our security related presentations i give and like i said i whenever i give these presentations what i try to focus on is giving you some things that you can do right away like here's some very tactical tips of stuff you can incorporate so i'm not going to say you need to go buy some big firewall product Mm -hmm. that costs you know Tens, hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of dollars, and it takes like an eight month project to procure and implement. But there's always little things they can do immediately. Oh, and the fourth thing I was going to say was um, I'm not sure organizations are really structured and prioritized to take care of their database security. So maybe some are, and you might have a differing opinion, but it might. My experience is they often say, oh, just DBAs, you take care of security, and we'll just assume it's something you do, like checking backups. Uh, They don't maybe have a security officer, and they maybe don't have the diligence of having checklists to check in with the DBAs or developers and say, hey, have you guys done whatever you're supposed to do every quarter to make sure things are secure?
1: So is this also, I mean, you said you put most of the blame on the customer side, yep. but the customer side itself is is broad. <laughs> and like you just said, it might be an organizational problem. It might be an issue of just core knowledge gaps. Yes. Like where do you see most often the the gap or, or the weakness is coming from? Is it from leadership? Is it from it's too fragmented? Is it from weak? Oh, I, well, I think.
0: Leadership needs to drive it and prioritize it because everybody's got other priorities and things to do. And I don't know, the the reward aspect, like um, we talked about that's a challenge and also the risk adversity. I think too many people are all up and down the ladder are risk adverse, right? Um, Even from leadership, what if leadership says, we're gonna do a security hardening project. Um, A lot of these databases, are mission critical, right, Re- revenue generating system. So an outage could could be disastrous and maybe there's an inadvertent outage. So I'm not sure I'm doing a very good job at pinpointing it for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, there's probably very, all know, things... various actors and, and various yeah. uh, different, uh, what's it called, like surface area points where you can, can attack it, right, in terms of organizational. Yeah. Um, something else that I wanted to get your take on is, I mean, obviously data, uh, you know, that's where we maintain the state of of the organization and everything that it's doing is what's valuable to steal Uh, for the most part. If you're, obviously, if you're like writing code, maybe stealing, well, the code itself will be your data and your your property, right? Um, But is it also, you know, a fact of there is technological features that help you protect the database, of course, that the vendors provide, but a lot of these breaches where people just like lose their data is it also just the human factor right it was a disgruntled employee that you gave it Yep. Uh, it was so an the bad actor can and...
0: be the bad actor can be anywhere um it can be the disgruntled employee but i would broaden what you just said there right like yes somebody's stealing the data um, is a certainly a risk. But when I do security assessments and recommendations, yeah. uh, that's part of it. And I, I don't have it up in front of me, but I have um, a bunch of categories, right? A denial of service, for example, is mm-hmm. also a security breach to me. So even if somebody's able to do something maliciously to, to uh, bring down performance or bring down availability, right? Lack of availability, which is a synonym really for denial of service, it can be equally as devastating of a breach. Uh, Another thing too that I've seen is uh, false positives where, well, no, that's long term, false data where a bad actor may purposely corrupt data. Mm -hmm. And and it might go in a way that's unnoticed. Like let's talk hypothetically, if you're an airline or something and you're selling seats, a bad actor could change the price of those seats to make you lose revenue or something like that. Now these are extreme edge cases, agreed, um, I'm not trying to say that that's a common risk, but um, I'm just trying to bring on the point. I, I
1: have, I I have had quality. incidents with clients. I had an incident with a client once that got hit by ransomware and yeah. it just like brought <clears throat> down all their SQL Server databases. And it's the point where you can't really blame SQL Server. Well, and, you know, Microsoft being the, the writers of SQL Server because it was, um, you know, a high privileged user and I guess funny enough, I would say it's funny now, but it wasn't funny at the moment. It just opened some one of those like phishing emails, right? And he was logged into his email account on a server that had direct connectivity to production systems. And boom, that's it. That's all it took.
0: So let's talk about ransomware because that's a good one that you just brought up. Um, nobody ever... Uh, in my opinion. And remember, I'm, whenever I say nobody, I'm talking 99%. As a DBA, I never say 100% anything, but nobody ever gets into a ransomware protection of the database. And actually, I think Oracle does have a, have a competitive advantage okay. over other products like SQL Server in ransomware protection because the files are not exposed usually to the OS, right? Oracle okay. can effectively have their own file system, which is called uh, ASM. And without going into the nuances of that, it it means that if a bad actor gets access to the OS, they can't easily access or corrupt the files. So a typical ransomware of encryption. But you know what, we have talked a lot about uh, how to protect databases from ransomware and ransomware doesn't have to come from the outside. Mm -hmm. I could write some ransomware that goes inside the database and encrypts data in columns, in tables.
1: You just mentioned for example that Oracle you think is well positioned versus other um RDBMSs is there anything particular that stands out for you some you know features well, or abilities introduced in the last couple of years that really changed the game in terms of security
0: Okay so they do have some new features but first if I because there's kind of two parts I can pick out of that question you just asked first like Oracle's protection I think is it from ransomware generally is mainly due to two key factors. One that I already mentioned that they files external GASM, to the database yeah. protected. Second part is I do like that they have the ability to roll back the database backwards. So if there was something that happened, you can flash it back and just like a recovery rolls forward, you can do the reverse. And I think MariaDB has that capability. I'm not sure. I don't think SQL. Better has.
1: better known as time travel nowadays.
0: OK. Um, and then standard, it's not SQL standard. Server
1: though. SQL Server okay. still does not do time travel easily. You have to just go back into <laughs> your backups, right? But cloud well, databases time... have popularized the term time travel, right? You well, can that's do time a good travel with Snowflake. From... Yeah. You can do it with BigQuery. You can do it with yeah. um, uh, what else? DataBricks, Delta tables. Now the time travel. Well, well,
0: some of those do it at the table level, right? Mm-hmm. Oracle can do it at the entire database. So just like a recovery, right? It rolls forward through the like a recovery rolls forward through transaction logs oracle can roll backwards through transaction logs Mm -hmm. uh but anyway don't want to go too far into that and i guess the last thing for for ransomware protection is always to have a replica or a standby whatever term you prefer to use that's delayed right and all all, all of them can do that and then you have a delayed copy you could switch to and catch
1: not something that a lot of people still do i find Today, if I look at the architectures on many of our clients, most of them just go with what the vendor uses as the reference architecture, which for 99% of them is a near real-time replica to be used for offloading, well, HA or DR or like a reporting workload. And almost nobody is thinking about having that delayed replica for a protection against somebody nuking something.
0: Agreed, but they maybe should But anyway, if I go to the second part of your question there, that's a more exciting discussion, I think, is what's the new features and stuff. And I think the security on the Oracle side has been evolving. So one of the things I talked about in the last few years, and I think I started testing with it when it first came out about three years ago is actually catching Oracle, catching up the SQL Server a little bit in with. And what I mean by that is being able to tie in directly with Active Directory okay. for authentication and authorization. So this is where you know, you're know, you going back in your SQL Server days and you're saying, well, we've had this for 20 plus years where we don't have to add individuals. We can map uh, Active Directory security
1: group. Yeah, just groups. say
0: accountants. And we just want accountants to be authenticated against our database. Um, and...
1: That's something else that's very simple, by the way. I don't want to yeah. interrupt because I know you're talking about how Oracle b- put this in. Yeah. But just to, like side-related idea is the fact that even basic R back constructs such as this, like don't add individuals, just add groups, yes, groups into your database, is violated all the time, all over the place, right? And it, was, it it seems like such a simple concept. What do you mean? You
0: mean they add individuals? People well add individuals
1: groups. all yeah. the time, regardless, and, and due to like. I don't okay, want to call well, it laziness, but you know, it, it's still it just happens.
0: The motivation is is numerous, right? Like it helps with the, the management, it helps with offboarding and onboarding and things like that, right? Um, and, and the overall security, but Oracle hasn't had that capability to tie into Active Directory and map groups in that way in the past. And they did add it with 18C, which which came out a few years ago. So That's what I'm saying is you you think that's yeah. old school stuff but in the Oracle world you used to have to do it using some other tools that sat in the middle and mm-hmm. I can remember like 10 or 15 years ago this question would come to me like every six months is like can we just move all of our users into Active Directory because they're all in there anyway yeah, yeah. and then we don't have to do all these big auditor reports of all the users that we have in all the Oracle databases and then you go well we need this kind of component in the middle and it costs money and it's another thing we're going to have to patch and get a server for blah blah blah. I would and then assume
1: that some sort of of a software vendor already filled that gap before oracle did it themselves no
0: no not really for tying not not really the same so again like this is a presentation i talked about and we could spend a whole hour talking about it so they're kind oracle did kind of provide tools like enterprise user security oracle unified directory but like i said you have active directory you have the oracle database and then you have other tools that
1: sit mm, in the something like that there
0: yeah And that other stuff in the middle was complicated, and it's complicated to patch and all that kind of stuff. And what they did add in version 18c is the ability to tie them in directly. So there's no tools in the middle, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of setup required. Um, I I worked with that very early on, worked out the bugs and stuff working with Oracle uh, support and things, and it works pretty well. But I've worked with a couple of customers where we deployed that. I've actually blogged about it and I get a lot of people are interested and email me or reply on the blogs.
1: Is it an but... est- enterprise feature or a standard feature? Because we can talk about that as well, about gating. We can park that <clears throat> this topic, but I, I do want to yeah, touch <laughs> on gating security features based on editions.
0: Mm, I need to look that one up (laughs) to remind myself. But anyway, that was a great feature that they added in 18C. But um, actually, uh, let me just i have it open here. Actually, it is an enterprise edition feature.
1: Yeah, okay, we can talk about and, that. But it
0: also way. works on their free version, though, right? So if you are a DBA or some other technologist and you just want to experiment with this, um, Oracle still has their Express Edition, just like yeah, Server Express enough. Edition, and it works there. Very nice. But anyway, like, I let mean, me move on. Anyway, um, we can talk about that in a bit. I want to talk about the really interesting parts. So there's uh, a couple key new features in the current 19c version. And by okay. the way, When did that come you, out? 19c came out a couple of years ago, but these features only came out in recent core updates. So I'd say within the last oh, okay, six okay. months. Okay. Um, right. I think less than that. But just for context for you and anybody else, is 19c is kind of like the main long-term release. That's the version mm-hmm. everybody should be going to nowadays. And then when you apply quarterly security patches, you get these new features. So there's two of them. Okay. Like I guess there's one I really like. And one that I kind of like, but there's a big caveat that I don't like that I'm going to explain. All so right. the one I like, um, the Oracle guy has a joke. He says, have you heard of GDPR? Right? Have you heard of GDPR, Warner? Yeah. <laughs> OK, but, but the joke is that it's not the GDPR you're thinking about. It's not the EU. It's a new feature in Oracle, which is called Gradual Database Password Rollover. Oh, and what that really they means. They couldn't
1: find an acronym that does not. OK, is Oracle not is terrible. The, like <laughs> super popular acronym of the regulation in the EU. Yeah. They're terrible at Why picking Why do they need acronyms? to repeat it?
0: They're terrible at picking anyways. OK, so tangent on that, like OCI, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, yes, a seriously. terrible acronym because they also use OCI for a different product, for Oracle other stuff, Call yeah. Interface. So they're yeah. even reusing their own acronyms. Azure, by the way, I think is a great name for a cloud, you know, with the uh, being uh, blue, the blue, meaning blue yeah. in, in the Latin-based languages yeah. and, and stuff. So it's a great name, Azure. OCI is a terrible name. GDPR, it made for a fun joke. I'm not repeating the joke well enough. Know. <laughs> you know, It was funny when I heard it. I'm not good at delivering it. So anyway, back to the point, though, what GDPR solves is the age-old problem of you have all these application servers, and there's one customer I remember who was running a website that was their e-commerce platform and they had several hundred application servers so when they Mm -hmm. had to rotate the application's password you have to update hundreds of servers so how do you do that concurrently Um, what gdpr gives you is the ability that really one user can use two passwords for a rollover period of time okay so both the old password and the new password work concurrently and that way if your applications are uh, you change them manually, or maybe they're, you're more advanced than their Kubernetes uh, containers or something, and you just start having containers and pods die off and use the mm-hmm. new ones. You get up to 60 days to gradually
1: phase out the them all, initial phase them all
0: And you can control that. You can do it on a per-user basis and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, not directly as part of a profile, but I don't want to go too deep into the weeds. So that's a great New feature that I okay. see when I explain that to yeah, people that incentivizes
1: lineup. people to actually <laughs> change the passwords.
0: Now right? let me tell you about the other new feature, which I liked on the surface until I had a major issue. But this
1: is concern. interesting too because Simon, I mean, if I look at from your perspective, you see like that's super useful. But if I again put on my Microsoft architecture hat on, I would say, well, I just granted the application servers identity access to SQL Server and then I don't care what
0: their password is.
1: I don't have that's to manage right, that's right. their role so policy. Y- you're, right? you're going down a
0: big <laughs> big rabbit hole which is how should applications authenticate and you're right. <clears throat> and Oracle doesn't have like token based authentication yet, but I think it will in the next couple of versions it we'll be able to start to use token based authentication or identity Tie in. So even things like OAuth and and stuff like that. But that's not there Mm -hmm. yet. Right now, what they do support and what most people use is password or external authentication. And that ties back to Active Directory um, or um, some other source like a a Radius server um, and Kerberos. Kerberos is actually the second most common way to authenticate. Now, how applications connect uh, we could talk for a whole hour about like but if you are
1: deciding to use password then you have this feature now
0: at least there's also tls and and mutually exchanging public and key and private keys and things like that right so that the both sides of the connection can have Mm -hmm. have a trust
1: authenticate Um, each other
0: yeah yeah that's called tls security in oracle but anyway let me let me move on to the other part because i wanted to tell you my beef with the new the new thing so the new thing that they're also quite excitable ex- excitable excited about <laughs> rather is they introduced blockchain tables
1: it's oh yeah we can talk tables. about this too because sql 2022 is coming out with this uh, well yeah i'll let
0: you introduce okay. the first well, t- let me tell you my beef with blockchain tables and, and then they changed to and they made another kind of de- variant called immutable tables they're both okay. b- kind of similar in a lot of ways immutable, but a blockchain has cryptographic linking of each rows, each row, where an immutable table doesn't. So there's some nuances between immutable and blockchain. But we don't need to go into that. The point of it is that the data (laughs) in the table of itself itself can be predefined with some retention period. Okay. Okay. So my problem is this, it is you're essentially putting stuff into your database that you can't get out of your database. Mm-hmm. So now, if I'm a bad actor, or if i just a crappy programmer and I write some runaway job, I can potentially mm-hmm. consume tons and tons of database space that I can never really get out.
1: No, it you gotta what, drop your database?
0: Yeah, you pretty much have to do that. You have to pretty much export all the stuff around it, import it somewhere else, and that can Mm -hmm. be very time-consuming and stuff. So the way that they have implemented it, in my opinion, is that it is too easy to create and too easy to use. And I did pass back to... How,
1: How familiar are you with how it works in the Oracle side?
0: In the Oracle side? Do you mean to say the SQL Server side?
1: No, no, I mean the Oracle side like have you played around with it have you set yes. it up and everything yes, so I, did. I i i have a question how how is it um cryptographically secure like is it like oracle generates a certificate or a private key that signs everything like what stops me from actually you know changing it or providing my own key so i can do whatever i want with the contents etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: um you can't the oracle kernel is making the table contents tamper proof okay so with with a um blockchain table and, and and maybe i should have looked this up beforehand you you can get the keys or um, I think you can set the initial one, maybe., no, so
1: that's that's my uh, point. is so there's no out out of it either. So once a table is defined as an immutable blockchain table, it stays yes. that way forever.
0: right. You can't that is my point as well. Maybe yeah. I wasn't explaining it well enough, but really, what what they're doing is they're protecting it in the kernel. Now, when you create the blockchain table, You can specify like how, what retention period you need before it can be dropped at both the table and the row content level. Okay. So I can create a blockchain table or an immutable table. Because um, remember, it's just this cryptographic chaining is really the, the key. And you, you can get the digest out and all that stuff. But it's designed to make sure that you, you can't have a hacker modify the content. So maybe it goes back to our, our conversation about um, ransomware. It's updating our, our column. Um, so In a blockchain, you can provide its own digital certificate and private key and to sign rows and start the chain, right? But I I don't think that's really relevant to most people. Most people just want to know that it's immutable, that it's not changing, right? So immutable chain tables are simple enough. Um, But the kernel is protecting that data. So if I create one and I say, we can't drop this table for for 100 years, and we can't delete any rows for 100 years, well, I'm not going to be around in 100 years to to purge the table. That's mm-hmm. the part I don't like, is that it's too easy to set, to create these tables and to make very high bounds on, on those requirements. Yeah. Now, there is a parameter that controls the maximum, but you might have a real business purpose to say, I need this content for seven years for regulatory purposes, right? And I need to be able to show auditors that it's in an immutable table where the row is not updated or deleted for seven years. Seven years is a long time, but I can insert any number of rows. I can fill up and consume all of my disk space or all of my cloud resources and not be able to get rid of it. So that's my problem isn't how it works. My problem is it's too easy to create. And I think that Oracle should have made an additional privilege that you needed to be able to create these tables or Maybe they should have made it that you have to put it in its own separate table space that's just for these contents. Or maybe you have an initialization parameter where you authorize which table spaces can be used. So there's kind of like those little tweaks that I would have suggested, but it seems to not be important to Oracle development
1: yeah yeah i mean the sql uh microsoft right now that the feature in the actual sql server on the box like the the retail product it's it's coming out in in the version that will come out later probably this fall in sql 2022 but they have had this uh, idea of the ledger table as well in the azure sql database and it's already in preview in the azure sql database and it works pretty uh, similar to what you were just talking about right you turn it on and once it's on you can't walk back on it, um, which is another thing. Like you just mentioned, I, I'm not a huge fan of that implementation. My, I, I previously, I actually, I was, I had a session at some point to discuss this with some of the Microsoft folks and whatnot. And and my ideal implementation was that it would be treated like a multi-signature uh, wallet, cryptographic wallet, right? So in order to unlock then I would need more than one signature to be able oh, right. to do it, right? right? Kind of like a hardware security module works, right? You need, you know, if you are the main uh, cryptographic signer, then it's not just one person or one identity that does it, right? You need a two out of three or three out of five or so on, yep. right? To be able to do it. Yep. That's that's what I, I recommend it so that it would always have a kill
0: switch. Um, right. But
1: it, so it wasn't that, that's done a- that
0: way. That's a good idea. I recommended the things I mentioned because as it stands right now with this feature in, in the Oracle database, and like I said, there's a couple parameters that you need to enable to turn it on properly and fully, but those aside, you really need the privilege to create tables and then it's whatever your quota is. So creating a table is a, a somewhat broad privilege, and a lot of people probably have it more than should. And it's also rolled up into many other more powerful privileges. And then quotas are exactly that. Sometimes people have unlimited quotas. So if I have the ability to create a table and an unlimited quota, I can write a little tiny loop that just fills up every little piece of disk space that I have until we run out of space. And there's no way of getting
1: rid of that. Because another,
0: another mitigating suggestion I had is that, when you, when an administrator starts the database up in a special upgrade mode, we call it an Oracle. Uh, so it's, it's open, but it's open for maintenance. They should be able to drop it that way, but your, your, your quorum multiple signatures is a good idea as well. Or take it back to my first suggestion is let's not have create table, Let's have create immutable table as a separate privilege. So we can hand that out more sparingly. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, fair enough. What about features that you think are not used properly or are misunderstood? I mean, we talked a little bit about already mentioned RBAC and how just like basic RBAC-only group strategy is, is a great one to follow, but people still don't do it. Is there anything else that comes to mind yeah, that is misunderstood? I, I, I have a couple in mind. but I'll, I Okay, let me over. tell you
0: mine first because you're probably going to laugh or roll your eyes uh, being a SQL Server guy. But remember, in SQL Server, you're used to the concept of user databases, and in Oracle, we didn't usually, we didn't traditionally have that concept of user mm-hmm. databases until we had containerization within the database, and that's uh, what we call pluggable, pluggable databases right? or yeah. PDBS. It's yeah. more or less like user databases in SQL Server with some modest differences. So I think that whole capability and the security around that is grossly under. Appreciated or misunderstood. So, some examples. Like, um, let me give you a few specific examples. And I think I think the Oracle security is even with containerization is more secure than within SQL Server. So, for example, in Oracle, I can when I it's optional, but I can create these pluggable databases mm-hmm. with the capabilities that they can't export data from one and import it into another because they can't see the same areas of disk outside of the database right so you can't do an, an equivalent of a sql server and all bcp um import or an, an output from csv or something like
1: so that so you can do can't. like an aura dump
0: on them you can't take you, it out you can separate them so that we can build complete silos of isolation but right? if i need so, to export data out of it well <laughs> then you're gonna have to move it out manually afterwards you of course you can't go into the root right so in sql server you would call that the master database right or msdb DB, or something yeah, The master and, database. In oracle we call it the root you can't go into the root uh, well you technically yeah you can kind of do similar but the databases can't see each other so it's not from a query perspective they can't they're completely isolated unless they have a database link and, but you can database link to somewhere else across the world it doesn't matter that's uh a container right next to each other but we can isolate which ones they can access at the os we can throttle them so you can't have one of them be a noisy neighbor and mm-hmm. go back to that denial of service that is going to consume all of the cpu or io resources or memory it, we can mm-hmm. throttle all three of those dimensions uh to control it and let's see there's another one oh this is a cool feature i like is that the ultimate super administrator We, this is an optional thing in Oracle, a licensed option called database vault, but there's something called operations control where we can allow whoever administers the container as a whole. Can't see the user database within it.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So what I'm trying to say is in a SQL server world, you would connect as the SA into master.
1: The sysadmin has too much power.
0: Yes can they the can you stop the sysadmin who's in master from being able to see the data that's yeah in no
1: database? you can't
0: and in oracle you can and the reason they invented that is you might have heard of in their cloud they have this autonomous database service yeah and autonomous remember their cloud all of their services is built on the same core database engine so w- when you sign up in a shared infrastructure Um, what's it called in Azure where you just get a little SQL server user database? Um, Well,
1: you can have an Azure SQL database.
0: Yeah. So so if you consider what Oracle is doing behind the scenes in their autonomous service in a shared infrastructure, they have an Exadata, their own hardware, and on there they have a, Oracle database and then they have all these little container databases or PDBs and I sign up as one customer I get one you sign up as yeah. the, you get another and so forth right so we can't see each other's stuff but them as the vendor they need to be able to patch and upgrade and back up the container and all the PDBs as a whole but we don't want them to be able to come in and query our tables yeah. and see our actual data and for that they or this is my humble opinion, I don't work for Oracle, so I don't know. They had to invent this operations control to say that the operator of the entire software and the container, the big, well, you know what I'm trying to say, the big picture container can't
1: see Can't go the into the data itself.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, no, yeah. That's, a, that's a cool, cool feature. Uh, so far, I mean, the SQL servers and Azure SQL DB's strategy for that is mostly A, you either Microsoft has introduced other... Um, privileges so that you can create a very high powered user that can do 99% of the administrative work without actually giving them access to individual databases. So that's one thing. Keep in mind, most people do not use that and they still just give the essay to the DBA. And then the other thing you can do is, of course, you can just go in and start encrypting data. And this is where one of my misunderstood features comes in, which is. Um, sql server transparent database encryption so this sql server is encryption at rest technology right but as the name suggests it is transparent to the applications and the users that have access to the data right so i've had this conversation like a million times with people where uh, even one time i was doing like a demo about it and what the audience or the client was expecting was that once i enabled the encryption at rest then even the dba would see everything encrypted and I'm like no because the dba has access to the data that's what's called transparent database encryption the it, otherwise you would have had to change your entire application to be able to support this encryption that's why it's called transparent but yeah. it's not what they were expecting right they thought encryption at rest was the same as having it encrypted to the so- application right
0: Oracle has the transparent data encryption with the same acronyms, and it works pretty much the same way. And I think the weakest point is really the key management, right? Because there's a key to open and decrypt those files and stuff. But yeah, it's not protecting data from the administrators. But independent of this containerization and PDBs thing, going back 10 years ago, Oracle added this product called Database Vault, which does protect the raw data from the DBAs. So what they did is they they have security realms and the idea is that you have a separate security administrator who can grant who can actually query the tables and see the data so independent of tde though without tde you can always you know search through the raw hex of the the files on disk and you can see unencrypted data uh, and piece that together but that's a separate topic but through the sql interface you can stop DBAs and administrators from seeing it. And the and in order to turn it off, you actually or turn it on, you have to shut down the entire database and relink it, relink the kernel um, to enable or disable the feature. So it's not something that's a bad actor can go in and just be privileged enough to turn it off, query the data, and then turn it back on either.
1: Okay. Cool.
0: So that feature, you know, we're kind of stumbling on a couple different similar and overlapping things. Um, TDE really protects it best from somebody who copies the files from disk. Yeah. Like like maybe copies a backup and restores it or something. And again, that comes down to do we keep the keys along with the...
1: Well, this is protect- the thing. Most most customers also were really bad at their key management part. And then I, I would... Uh, I mean, Epithian, we do health checks all the time, right, for for uh, yeah. SQL servers and, and all the other products we, we do services for. And I don't know how many times we found servers where it's like, oh yeah, no TDE is enabled now, and it's like so somebody in compliance just gave them a check. Yeah. But then the the private key for the TDE is sitting there in the same storage as the file. Yeah. As the files themselves. Right? Uh,
0: that happens all the time with Oracle too. And Oracle has a pro- product called Oracle Key Vault that's designed to manage that, and that's the better solution. But again, it's expensive and complex. So that problem exists and works almost the same in Oracle, but we do have this ability to build these security realms and prevent administrators from being able to query data in Oracle, which I think is uh, unmatched in any other product that I know of.
1: Okay. So they really
0: cool. have separated the duties of a security administrator from a database administrator. And then, like I said, there's an enhancement to that called operations control for the containers, for the PDBs that's, that's designed for extra protection to prevent that cloud operator, um, or container operator from being able to go into those PDBs. But the, the Achilles heel to all of this is that's one of these famous Oracle options. And when I say Oracle options, that really means money and a lot of money. And hence, people. Yeah, this of, is an
1: issue, right? We just talked, uh, mentioned in passing earlier today, right? Is the whole gating security features um, by okay. addition, which I, and to Microsoft's credit, it has had a dramatic change in direction after SQL Server 2016 came out, and Microsoft on the first service pack for that release. So like, that was probably like at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, they basically released a ton of features to the standard edition of the product, right? So partitioning yeah, yeah. and column store right. and all this stuff became standard. And a lot of the security stuff at that same point in time became standard edition as well.
0: So Oracle's been kind of doing the same, but not the same, in that they've been taking some features out, like native network encryption, privilege analysis, something we should discuss here um and they've taken it out of being a separate option pack it just made it part of enterprise edition so okay. that's why i'm saying they're 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 loosening well it's somewhat better it's still,
1: because you don't it's, pay it yeah. completely separate but it's still gated into a higher tier edition yeah. which is, again i'm not a fan of this corporate <laughs> practice of gating security features by um by tiers right so snowflake does the same the same uh, commits the same sin uh like for example if you want to bring your own key to your snowflake encryption then you have to pay for the most expensive snowflake which is called business critical Right? i i really dislike the strategy like if you're gonna i I don't care if you're gonna have different tiers because you gotta you know sustain your business or whatever but if it's mostly based on functionality then that's fine but if you're telling me that you know i have to pay more so that you uh, can have a more secure product, then I, th- I don't think that's particularly fair to the consumer.
0: I'd agree with that. And Before we go on, let me just tell you one more thing about this containerization, which again, you're going to roll your eyes and go big deal. But Oracle's based more on traditional Unix platforms, where SQL Server, has yeah, I mean, a long history, but it's more Windows-based. Windows has the concept of a deny privilege, right? Um, Oracle doesn't because it's based on unix and unix and linux really doesn't have a deny but with pluggable databases we have this idea of a lockdown profile which i think is very underused and again you're not going to be impressed warner being a microsoft guy but effectively it's sort of similar to deny privileges meaning i let's let's say those those throttles i mentioned Mm -hmm. i don't want this one container pluggable database to be able to use more than two CPUs concurrently. Well you don't want the administrator, the DBA of that PDB to be able to increase their quota and change mm-hmm. that two to 16. So we can grant them DBA privileges, but we can say except you can't say alter system set CP mm-hmm. count equals 16. So okay. that I know you're not too impressed because that kind of sounds well like it's a not it's not that I'm right? not
1: so I'll tell you what my problem is with some of these is that I find that people hardly use them because they yes, become that's a my management point. nightmare too. When you try to micromanage every single thing that people are allowed to do in the environment, it also, you know, puts people off but
0: there's some key they don't ones. use it in the end. There's some key ones that should be done. So I, I don't really buy into that the complexity should discourage us. Um, but I think we need to be able to give the DBA role because it's been it has so many underlying things that it might be hard to construct ourselves, although ideally you would. But it, it's a lot easier to grant something that is a, uh, that is overreaching and then just deny specific parts. Yeah, of it. that's and, true. And people are going to grant the overreaching one, whether that's ideal or not so it's nice to finally have the ability to deny certain capabilities right
1: yeah well, that's and, and that's fair.
0: kind of what it does
1: yeah, yeah. mentally it's easier to walk back that way
0: it enables and disables certain certain statements from being usable right
1: okay so, i have i have one for for azure that i particularly like but it's cloud only and microsoft has i don't know if maybe you can tell me if oracle has something similar in the oracle cloud but When you use the Azure SQL database, so not SQL Server, but the Azure SQL service in the cloud, they actually have a security threat service that just points out anomalous things. So If you're always logging in, you're Simon and you always log Uh in from Alberta. If suddenly you log in from Moscow, then it's going to send me an alert as the administrator for it. If you run a query, that looks uh, for example something that's kind of funny if you run a query but it fails on a syntax issue then it suggests that um somebody's running queries ad hoc instead of being something that is submitted by an application and sometimes you will get alerted by that it says it looks like somebody's just you know randomly running queries on your machine you might want to take a look at it or if you run a query that has a an abnormally large resource set, right? Like it looks like somebody's dumping contents, stuff like that.
0: So Oracle does have a lot of cloud-only security products. Okay. So first of all, like like they have standard things like web application firewall. They also have vulnerability scanning where they look for things like open ports and and stuff like that. They have a concept called like secure landing zones where you can build infrastructure and they won't let you make mistakes like... uh, uh, you say, in a secure landing zone, you maybe can't make a storage bucket that you open up to the public and stuff like that. Yeah. But to get more to what you're talking about, um, the question about identifying anomalies to patterns, um, I'd have to check. I don't think off the top of my head they have that. But they do have two key products that are kind of unique. So I have Cloud Guard, which is, is looking for uh, issues across the cloud. Uh, so across everything, and then they have a product called Data Safe, which is specific for securing your Oracle database. Now, it, it does—you um, know—I don't think it has that anomaly detection. It has like security assessments, right? So the security report. It has auditing and audit data ingestion. It can help discover sensitive. Data and it can help you build a workflow that when you rebuild uh, like non-prod databases, you mask data as part of that process and things. And what's nice, uh, okay, so let me actually back it up. They have a product also called the Database Security Assessment Tool or DBSAT is -hmm. how we describe it. And that is like a security health check report tool that you run locally on each server. So it's a non-centralized, um product that does a pretty darn great job at making a very nice security report that maybe identifies some stuff you should take action on okay. and it's very very good and you can get the output in json and or csv or html or, or text with it. and you can ingest it into your own system and, and what to do something with it versus just look at an html report but they took that idea and with the cloud in 2019 they said we're going to make a super set of dbsat and that's data safe Right? So it's a bigger, better security assessment tool that does a lot more and it crosses all of your database assets. Now, this is where it gets interesting and you tell me if Azure can do the same thing. With Data Safe. it's not doing an anomaly detection like I mentioned, but it is doing those other things like the assessment report and audit mm-hmm. data and stuff like that or sensitive. More like discovery. rule-based evaluation. Right, yeah. but it can touch all of the different Oracle Cloud services like whether you have autonomous or IaaS or dbcs it can also they have a gateway so it can go on premises Mm. and it can assess and bring in your data from your on-premises database or even for theory theoretically you could have it go to a different cloud so if you're running oracle database on IaaS in azure you can again centralize and get that security dashboard in oci that includes your Azure, Oracle databases. Now, one catch: those security tools I mentioned, like Cloud Guard and Data Safe and things like that, are usually well. Oracle doesn't use the free word, right? They they dance around that and they usually say included at no additional charge, right? But effectively, they're free. Data Safe effectively is free for monitoring targets that are in oracle's cloud if i want to monitor a target that's in azure or you know in in my own data center then they do charge a fee for it
1: okay yeah that's that's cool uh, microsoft has something similar um i believe it's called something like microsoft defender and it takes that same thing, like I just mentioned, the whole scan and anomalies that it can do in the cloud, and it still it, it still requires a cloud connection, as far as I understand. Um, but so you have to install like an agent, basically. On yeah, your you install machine, a
0: gateway. Right? Is what, what you do with this? So it it's that's right. So it is a cloud service, and it needs to be able to check and query data databases and OSs, and it leverages an, an old Oracle connection pooling and connection management technology that's existed for a long period of time to be able to reach out to those uh, on-premises things, and um, yeah,
1: so it's, no, it's kind of like an, That's you know, interesting, it, though, right? It, it's cool, though, that you know they're they're finding these uh, added added services that you can augment through through cloud, right? To attack yeah. this problem, an interesting problem as well, right? When you want to go beyond um just doing like an assessment of one machine and you want to scale it to larger environments that's another challenge right obviously you you have
0: scale with this you have that centralized place for where you can look at your environment in scale and you can see where there's patterns right where you know it has all sorts of visuals and indicators and things like that so you can see which databases are in a better security posture than others but let's go back I mean, if you're a DBA and you get the call, oh, no, there's going to be an auditor coming on Monday. Is our database safe? DBSAT mm-hmm. is the starting point, right? So when when you're in that panic situation of, uh-oh, um, did we have a breach? Or there's an auditor coming, and you really want to quickly get the state of your security health, DBSAT's a great utility. Download it, run it, look at the report it generates, and it can help okay cool so i everybody should use it and by the way like i said oracle doesn't use the free term but they want you to you know license their commercial software and pay support contract and as part of that they include these tools so you're not paying extra to run
1: dbsat all right sounds good all right so let's uh let's see wrapping things up i want to leave with uh with some uh, practical advice, I mean, you just mentioned, obviously, if you're Oracle, you have DBSAT, maybe yep. that's one place to start. What are some of the other low-hanging fruit <clears throat> Recommend well, to people to just, you know, quick There quick, is some low-hanging fruit. Yeah.
0: L- let me start with the non, a quick word on non-low-hanging fruit is I don't think hardly anybody ties in multi-factor authentication to okay. the DBA administrators. Um, again, that's usually done on the perimeter. That's a topic I speak on and get a lot of attendance, but not many people do it. So if I'm a DBA and I log on to the host server, I should have a multi-factor authentication. And when I connect to the Oracle database, I should get a multi-factor authentication there. And Oracle's actually supported that for over 20 years, not directly, but indirectly through the RADIUS protocol. And people don't use it. But that takes other things, like you have to have a multi-factor tool, like uh, Cisco Duo or whatever. or yeah, that. It ties into. Or whatever. So that's not low-hanging fruit. But let me tell you, when I give presentations, like I'm going to do in less than 48 hours, I always start with, proxy authentication. And what that means in Oracle terms is effectively impersonation, right? So what I mean by that is I believe a big, big, big problem is that the circle of knowledge of passwords is way too broad so you maybe know the system administrator password you maybe know a whole bunch of application passwords and you know when joe or jenny phones you up and says i can't do this because i get this error you say well tell me your password so i can connect as you to try and replicate the problem and oracle doesn't have it doesn't require you to know their passwords oracle has this ability to proxy or to impersonate somebody Mm -hmm. um, using your own credential so i type in i want to connect using the Simon user ID, but then I want to inside the database become somebody else.
1: Yeah. I mean you can do the same in SQL SQL Server. Server. You can do an execute as like somebody else. If you're well, you can
0: do execute as, but that really just changes like the namespace resolution. This means you connect to the database and you say show who I who am I it shows you are the person that you proxied into. So you have full capabilities, right? It's not just namespace resolution, and it's not just for one call, it's for the entire session, right? Okay. So that's super simple to do. That's called proxy authentication. And if anybody's listening and doesn't know about it, if you Google those words and my name and Pythian, you'll see I have blogs about it, and lots of presentations about it. Um, The other tool I mentioned earlier, not DBSAP, but I mentioned privilege analysis too, and I have to look it up because I actually used this before Christmas. Privilege analysis is a way that you can monitor the security that a user or an application is using to see whether the grants they have are overly privileged. Right? Okay. Um, so let me let me just tell you the quick case study, and I need to look up what I was doing. I think I was configuring Enterprise Manager or something like that. And it was giving me a permission error. I couldn't work out what permission I was missing. So of course, the general blanket is, oh, well, I'll just grant myself full administrator privilege because then I'll have all privileges and I'll be able to do it. Yeah, That fixes the problem, but it doesn't tell me which one I was missing. Oh, with that's privilege, a cool thing. Yeah, privilege so it's analysis. like a security
1: trace that tells you where you're yes. hitting the deny or like the lack of um, No, it doesn't
0: tell you where you're hitting the error. It tells you what ones you're using right? So I was able to do the security trace. So it's like auditing of which privileges you're using, not what you're doing, but what privileges are enabling you to do
1: what you're okay, doing. Okay. Okay. see.
0: Right. So then I was able to say, oh yeah, yeah. And let's just say for sake of argument, I was missing create index. Oh, I didn't have create index privilege before, but I see when I installed my program, it actually used the create index privilege. Mm-hmm. or uh, use some role and that helped me troubleshoot it yeah so that it i helps don't have to yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, no that actually totally sounds pretty broad. useful yeah and no, I a, there's no there's no similar thing on the on the SQL side but that that definitely sounds really useful
0: so i'd, I'd say that's really the key thing it is...
1: encourages good practices right if i can figure it out easier what i actually need yeah then you know i don't have to go back and like you said just provide some huge broad thing just to be able to do my work right because this is the biggest battle with security right people that's right or, or it answers the agents do question. their jobs
0: like an auditor comes along and says does alice and bob really need these roles that's been granted to them right or does an application maybe an application has been granted some roles and and the auditors come around they go well the did, did the application need those roles just when it was getting installed but at runtime, it no longer needs the same level of privileges. And you're able to say, well, okay, I'm going to turn on privilege monitoring of this application for however long you want, 24 hours a week or whatever. And then I'm going to look afterwards and see what privileges it actually did use. And that way I'm, giving, I'm able to grant it just what it needs and I'm not overly permissive on my grants. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So I guess that's a great one. And that's another example, like I said earlier, where it used to be in one of the option packs. I think it's got a, oh no, I think it was the database vault option you used to have to buy to get privileged analysis. And then they decoupled it. And they said, nope, it's just an enterprise edition feature. Um, I mentioned like native network encryption, which is automatic encryption in flight. Again, they decoupled that a long time ago and let's see i mentioned um db is a great tool and i guess my favorite trick is the proxy because not you know this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation here today when you said what's the problem the problem is people don't know how easy it is to proxy into another user and instead they're like uh, i need to install the application i need the application's password mm-hmm. i need to upgrade Just, yeah. the application which means creating and dropping a whole bunch of objects i need the application's password And I'm like, no, you don't. And Mm -hmm. if you do get it, then that's a problem because that circle of knowledge is really grown.
1: All right. Well, thanks a lot for your time today, Simon. Appreciate it, everybody. I hope that um, you got a lot of uh, information, value, tips, tricks, and um, you end up uh, the 2022 with a more secure database than you started. (laughs) And hopefully no (laughs) incidents.
0: That was a good discussion. I think we covered everything I could talk about. We could, although we could probably keep on going here for hours. But I'd say, yeah, it's 2022. It's a new year. I'm not really one for New Year's resolutions, right? But some people are. Maybe maybe one, I don't know, computer New Year's resolution is to be better at security. Um, because like we I'll talked about it at off. the beginning, yeah. everyone puts it off. It's not rewarding. And then people might do something and then forget it, right? That's the other problem is it's an iterative process. I don't think you're ever done
1: no you are it's never like done
0: painting the golden gate bridge once you get the one end you gotta <laughs> go back and start again at the beginning
1: right? All right. well thanks a lot again Simon and thanks everybody for listening until next time bye bye
0: bye bye navigating the data scape